0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. During the season of Advent, we heard about the ministry of John the Baptist, and how he was preparing the way of the Lord to come and to do his work of the Holy Spirit. The the work of baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The work of gathering the wheat into the barn and burning the chaff. He had been preparing to announce the coming of the Messiah his entire life. Since John's conception, this is what it was said of him, is that he was to prepare the way of the Lord. So you can imagine that John was raised with this understanding that this was going to be his job whenever the time came. That he was told about the Messiah who was to come, that this was pronounced uh, at his conception, and then at his birth, you are going to prepare the way of the Lord. You, my child, his dad said, shall be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go and prepare the Lord in his ways. So he knew this all all of his life, and think about it. He he probably had about 30 years to mull this over. And you would think that he had probably something prepared to say whenever the Messiah did come. But the day that Jesus came to the Jordan River, words escaped him. Jesus stepped down into the water with John, and boy, did that make it awkward. Have you ever wondered about why Jesus was baptized, and it still kind of doesn't make sense to you? We spent about 45 minutes in Bible study this morning talking about this topic, and we probably came out of it more confused than ever. But if it's confusing to you, you're in good company, because John was confused by it. He was perplexed. It didn't make good sense to him. And when the baptizer asked Jesus about the arrangement, he said, Lord, you should baptize me. And you come to me to be baptized? And then Jesus gave him that answer. He said, let it be so now, for thus it is is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. That's the answer that Jesus gives. There's this wonderfully long list of biblical and theological reasons as to why Jesus came to John that day and why Jesus submitted to John's baptism, and they're all reasons stemming from the answer that Jesus gave, but since we don't have any kind of time to name them all, I've boiled it down to just two reasons, two reasons, which we're going to go through one at a time. I want to make this very, very simple. Let's begin with reason number one. The first reason that Jesus came to be baptized by John and fulfillment of all righteousness is so that he would become the sin bearer. Can you say sin bearer? Sin bearer. If you think back to a couple of gospel texts that we heard from during the season of Advent and the Christmas season, the name that the angel told Mary and Joseph to give the child Jesus as he would save his people from their sins was Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. This was the whole point and purpose of Jesus' coming. The whole reason that he stepped down from his heavenly throne and assumed a human nature in the incarnation, so that he would save humanity from our sins. So that he would save us from sin and the consequence that comes along with sin, which is death. Jesus identifies with humans and becomes numbered with sinners in that he assumes our flesh and our human nature, and yet he remains without sin at his conception and at his birth. We covered that uh, during Advent and Christmas. But here in the Jordan River, something different is happening, something new. The pure and spotless Son of God, the one who is altogether without sin, comes to a baptism of repentance, and steps into the river to be numbered with sinners. So not only does he identify with humanity in his conception and in his birth, but here he does so by undergoing the very thing that sinners were subjected to the same activity that they were undergoing so that all righteousness might be fulfilled so that justice would be established in the nations as our Old Testament reading said. This is my servant in whom is my delight. He will establish justice in the nations. In other words, we see in the Jordan River a substitute. One who comes in the place of Israel one who comes in the place of the whole world so that sins would be laid upon him and so that he would take them away. He comes to stand in the Jordan River, not only alongside sinners, but in the place of sinners to bear the sins of the entire world, that they would be placed on him and that righteousness would be fulfilled for the whole world. Now you might be thinking, well, I thought that that's what happened on the cross. And you would be correct. But that underscores the significance of what is happening here. The baptism of Jesus is linked inextricably. It is bound to his cross and his resurrection. The suffering and the death that Jesus would undergo, which he would eventually call a type of baptism. Jesus' baptism marks the beginning of his ministry. So in other words, this is him, this is Jesus, the Son of God, stepping into that office as the substitute sacrifice for sins. This is him beginning his journey to the cross and to the empty tomb where he will deal with those sins once and for all. And thus we see that the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove upon him to anoint him for this task of sin-bearing. To bear witness to the world that this is the Christ. This is the Savior of the world. And we hear God the Father speak from heaven and place his stamp of approval upon the Son for this work of sin-bearing. Well, it's not completely intuitive whenever you read this passage and you don't look at that and immediately think, huh, well, Jesus is getting baptized because he's bearing my sins. That's not what you think, right? So how does Scripture make these connections for us? How does it all fit together? Let me point out just a a couple of key passages surrounding this event so that we can kind of put them together. All four of the Gospels have an account of Jesus' baptism. That's something worth considering. It's in John's Gospel, which you will hear from next week, we're told that John the Baptist had a major epiphany after he baptized Jesus, and he saw and heard the triune God in action. He came to realize that not only was Jesus the Messiah, as he fully anticipated, but he was also the Lamb of God. The sin bearer. After Jesus is baptized the very next day, he's walking by John, and the baptizer shouts, Behold the Lamb of God! who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist didn't talk that way before the baptism. Now all of a sudden he sees what he sees in the river Jordan and on the bank and things begin to click for him. This is the Lamb of God. This is the sin bearer. And at his baptism, we see Jesus begin that work of sin bearing, which was the purpose of the sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament. That's what it was for. In the Levitical worship, in the temple, the sins of the people were imputed to the lamb or they were laid upon the sacrifice so that what was laid upon or what was imputed to the people was pardon, forgiveness, and peace. Now one more thing here, there's another type of sacrifice. There was a goat that you would release into the wilderness to go and die. That goat was called the scapegoat. That's where that comes from. Here's the idea, is that all the sins of the people were imputed to the scapegoat, and the scapegoat was to go out into the wilderness and take those sins away. This is the idea. Where did Jesus go immediately after his baptism? Into the wilderness to do battle with Satan, to overcome our sins and to defeat the devil. He is the sin bearer who is baptized to identify with sinners and to take our sins upon himself. So that's our first reason. Jesus was baptized to become the sin bearer. So that leads us to our second reason. Why Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John? To be the sin bearer. And that means that the second reason is this. It is to make your baptism effective. Why does holy baptism do what it does? Because Jesus Christ is the very content of baptism. It is Christ, the sin bearer, standing in the baptismal waters for sinners. And as you have been baptized into Christ's name, you have been given over to his death and his resurrection, as our epistle lesson says. Baptism works forgiveness of sins. It rescues from death and the devil, and it gives eternal salvation to all who believe this. Why? Because Jesus Christ first underwent baptism for sinners, and he connected it to his death and his resurrection. He stood in your place in the river so that as you have been baptized into him, all the blessings and eternal life and salvation that he won for you in his cross and his empty tomb have now been handed over to you. They have been handed over to Joshua today. In baptism, a glorious exchange takes place. Jesus receives your sins upon himself as the scapegoat who would take your sins away. And in your baptism, you receive his righteousness as you you have put on Christ, Galatians 3. You have put him on in his perfection. And the implication is this. Whenever God the Father looks at you as you are standing in Christ, he does not see your sins because they have been drowned in the Jordan River. They have been taken out into the wilderness. They have been paid for on the cross. They have been buried in Christ's tomb. All connected to your baptism. How else can I praise your baptism? How else can I describe it to you in the highest of terms? We Lutherans talk about baptism all the time. I get it. Every time we see water or we see a leaky faucet, we say, praise God. Because baptism is not just significant for our past, but also our daily lives as it empowers us every day to live in the newness of life. That is our identity. We sang it. I am a child of God. Why? Because he has adopted you in his family. He has given you the new birth of water and the Holy Spirit. And the newness of life that we have is lived from that righteousness that Jesus gives to us, his own righteousness. Martin Luther advocated that we remember our baptism daily. Whenever we wake up, whenever we fall asleep, we may do so by making the sign of the cross. If you see us doing that in the worship, that's why we're basically marking ourselves as unbaptized, calling upon God's name, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, doing things like reciting the Apostles' Creed, things like this, It should be a big deal to us. It should be central to our identity. Listen to what Luther says in the large catechism. I love this. He says, Do you think it was a joke that when Christ was baptized, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended visibly and everything was divine glory and majesty? Do you think that was a joke? So we as Christians cannot look at Jesus' baptism and shrug our shoulders in it we see the saving action of the triune God revealed. God the Father speaking from heaven, God the Son standing in the place of sinners, and God the Holy Spirit anointing the Son for this task of sin-bearing. And what the Father says from heaven is profound. He says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That very pronouncement has rendered a complete identity change for you. Because Jesus stands in the waters For you and in your place, because he has borne your sins and suffered the wrath of God for you. All righteousness has been fulfilled and handed over to you in the waters of your baptism. And in those waters you have been united to the Son with whom the Father is well pleased. And whatever is true of the Son is true of you as well. Whenever God the Father looks at you, he says, this is one with whom I am well pleased not because of your works and merits, but because of Jesus' works and merits. His perfection, it's yours. You please him because you are connected to Jesus Christ, the sin bearer. And in those same waters, he has anointed you with his Holy Spirit. As St. Peter said on Pentecost, that baptism gives the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 38. The same spirit who hovered over the waters at the creation of all things the same Spirit who overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus, the same Spirit who came upon Christ at His baptism, the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit who was poured out on Pentecost has now been given to you so that you, by daily contrition and repentance, would have all of your sins and your evil desires drowned and die and so that the daily new creation that you are in Christ Jesus would be brought forth. You mean to tell me that water did all that for me? It wasn't the water, but the word of God in and with the water. And whenever God's word is combined with water, it becomes for us a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit because Christ the sin bearer stands in that water with you. So let's boil it all down once more. Why did Jesus go to the Jordan that day? He went to be the sin bearer and he went to make your baptism effective. That's it. If you can keep those two things straight, you've got all that you need to rejoice in Jesus' baptism today. And hereafter, because it was a baptism in which Jesus came to stand in your place to be numbered with sinners so that you would receive all the gifts that he won for you in his cross and resurrection, the gifts that he delights to hand over to you here and now through his word and at his table. So let us call upon his name, the name that he placed on us in holy baptism. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.